sound the same wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fear. How precious did the grace appear The hour I first believed Through many tempters, taunts and snares
Good morning, everybody. I hope you're all awake now. Um, started off this morning with Scott on uh, the Bended Knee Armor of God show since Bended Knee is now at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific time. That was a great way to start the day today and Friday. I loved it. And so I was like, well, how can I follow that? You know, and on a day like today, it's Monday, September 11th, in the year of our Lord, 2023, that I wanted Sister on Scripture today to really not focus on all the events of 9-11, because that was a hard day for many, many people. Um, it, it's impacted millions worldwide, and, you know, here we are, 20 two years later, and it still feels as raw and as real as it did then. And so I wasn't quite sure, and God's kind of led me a few different ways. So today we're going to bounce around a little bit, but I wanted to start something really powerful, really kind of heavy hitting, you know, on this, this anniversary of a day that those that are alive will never forget. If you were alive at that day, on that day, I mean, you, you remember where you were and what you were doing. And so I had to play Amazing Grace by Dan Vask. He's um, allowed that song to be played completely copyright free. And it's a very powerful, hard-hitting song. And so I was like, that's, that's the only way um, that I could really think to, to pay tribute to all the emotions that were felt that day and still today, every every year on this day. And right now we've got Kilauea is erupting. Um, September 9th, they released millions of those mosquitoes, you know, and then there was also the Morocco earthquake that has claimed the lives of over 2,000 so far. And, you know, we're in the book of Ezekiel, and we hadn't been long finished up Jeremiah, and these are the days of those prophets. We're in the days of, of Jeremiah, and it's almost like the days of Noah and the days of Ezekiel. So I was, I was praying to God and trying to get him to, to tell me what he wanted to use me for today, what he wanted me to, to speak about. And so it came from a few different places today. Um, we will get into Ezekiel 17 a bit, but we're not going to stay in that. And then um, we're also going to get into a little bit of Romans. So I hope y'all are ready. And I'll put uh, the different books and verses that we go into. Um, I'll put that in when I upload the show in the description. So good morning, everybody. I know I hadn't had a chance to say good morning to 
the rest of you, but hi, I'm glad to have you here with us. Um, so we're just getting started now, so you haven't missed nothing. Except for a really powerful song by Dan Vask. So I am going to start on Ezekiel 17, because we had left off on 16 last and finished it. And this is the parable of the two eagles and a vine. God, this is a parable given by God. And, you know, we're already, things that Jesus, Jesus spoke in parables. And now we're hearing, you know, God in parables. And so I'm going to start with part of this before I start jumping. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, propound a riddle and speak a parable to the house of Israel, saying, Thus says the Lord God, A great eagle with great wings, long pinions, and a full plumage of many colors came to Lebanon and took away the top of the cedar. He plucked off the topmost of its young twigs and brought it to a land of merchants. He set it in a city of traders. He also took some of the seed of the land and planted it in fertile soil. He placed it beside abundant waters. He set it like a willow. Then it sprouted and became a low spreading vine with its branches turned toward him, but its roots remained under it. So it became a vine and yielded shoots and sent out branches. But there was another great eagle with great wings and much plumage. And behold, this vine bent its roots toward him and set out its branches toward him from the beds where it was planted that he might water it. It was planted in good soil beside abundant waters that it might yield branches and bear fruit and become a splendid vine. Say, thus says the Lord God, will it thrive? Will it not pull up its roots and cut off its fruits so that it withers, so that all its sprouting leaves wither? And neither by great strength nor by many people can it be raised from its roots again. Behold, though it is planted, will it thrive? Will it not completely wither as soon as the east wind strikes it? Wither on the beds where it grew. This parable has so many different meanings. And I have been, I, I've been just sitting here contemplating for weeks now on that parable because, you know, we, when we were reading in Ezekiel 15, and I'll go ahead and read that because we just had read that last week before last, because last week, um, last Monday I wasn't on, and then Thursday um, was when we had song scripture my thoughts on for that great testimony so last week we didn't really cover Ezekiel so the week before but um, Ezekiel 15 and I'm going to start at I'm going to read verse 2 and then I'm going to read uh, 6 and 7 15 2 son of man how is the wood of the vine better than any wood of a branch which is among the trees of the forest? Can wood be taken? I'm actually going to do two and three. Can wood be taken from it to make anything? Or can men take a peg from it on which to hang any vessel? 
If it has been put into the fire for fuel and the fire has consumed both of its ends and its middle part has been charred, is it then useful for anything? Behold, while it is intact, it is not made into anything. How much less when the fire has consumed it and it is charred, can it still be made into anything? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, has the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel. So have I given up the inhabitants of Jerusalem and I set my face against them. Though they have come out of the fire, yet the fire will consume them. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them. Thus I will make the land desolate because they have acted unfaithfully, declares the Lord God. Hey, Miss M. Lars, good to see you, brother. You did make one. You got a birthday coming up too, guys. I am going to spill the beans since he's in the house. Um, for y'all that don't know, our brother John has a birthday coming up this week on Friday, no, Saturday. So make sure y'all tell him happy birthday on Saturday. Haha, <laughs> I didn't forget. Surprise! I love birthdays. Oh, they have a birthday game. That's awesome. <laughs> They're going to work you on your birthday, man. Uh, so that's one instance where, you know, God was talking about the vine. Right there. Um, and he's talking about how, you know, this one, I took it two different ways. You know, I mean, God, from what I've heard from others, have said, you know, that it's referring to Nebuchadnezzar and um, and Israel. But the thing that really keeps drawing on my heart with this parable is, you know, we God sets us up with everything that we need, but... We look across the street and, and this is why it says, you know, you shouldn't covet your neighbor's things. You shouldn't, you know, be envious because oftentimes we get to places to where we want things that we don't have just because, you know, it makes no, no logical sense. You know, God gives us everything that we need. He puts everything here for us. You know, it may be different for me as it would be for say MSM Liars or Tam or Recovering Democrat or Beth or, you know, God, you know, we're all in different areas of the U.S. and we're all in different areas of the world. And every area has exactly what that that people needs. And in this parable, you know, it's the eagle came and he plucked off the top of the cedar got the topmost of its young twigs, brought it to a land of merchants, set it in a city of traders. He took some of the seed of the land, planted it in fertile soil, placed it beside abundant waters, set it like a willow. I mean, it was in there, in the ground good, it had everything it needed. And it sprouted and, and became good, became a vine. And it sent out lots of fruit. It was very productive, but then... When another great eagle came around, it's like, oh, well, I wonder where I can get with this one, you know? And so it's, it's stretching out and 
wanting something that it doesn't have when it has everything that it needs. And a lot of times, you know, especially now, we're seeing um, many people are are very uncertain of their future. And so a lot of people have been prepping and preparing, and that's wonderful. You know, that's just what Joseph did. You know, he had the seven years before the famine to prepare and to have those vats ready. And people are realizing the importance of things that needs and wants, needs versus wants, things versus memories, you know. And so it comes to where you have to, you know, you can't just be wanting different things just because someone else has it. You should, you know, be God give it to them because that's where he wanted them. God did something different for me because that's where he wanted me. But the Israelites were, they were, oh gosh, they were praying to, you know, they were pagan worshipers then. They were um, sacrificing to Baal. They were, they were being um, promiscuous. You know, God called them harlots, you know, and that they were whores. And he still tried to show them and try to get them to change through the different prophets like Ezekiel. Um, I think it was in Isaiah 46. Let me check just a second. Good afternoon, D. I'm hoping I can find this one. I was just thinking about it. Mary was saying um, the cedar trees are significant in God's... It went away, sorry. In God's promises to us. She studied about the cedar trees. It's amazing. Mary, do you want to call in and tell us about the cedar trees while I look for this first? Good morning, Ryan. I'll give Mary a chance to see. Oh, she's working. That's okay, hon. I'll have to look in on those. Cedar trees are very strong. I think it's 46. I'm just going to read 46 real quick. Bell has bowed down. Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beast and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome. A load for the weary beast. They stooped over. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I shall be the same 
and even to your graying years I shall bear you. I have done it, and I shall carry you, and I shall bear you, and I shall deliver you. To whom would you liken me, and make me equal, and compare me, that we should be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse, and weigh silver on the scale, hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god? They bow down, indeed they worship it. They lift it upon the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place, and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country, truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness, it is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. And I will grant salvation in Zion, and my glory for Israel. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Oops, sorry, my dog is moving. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you shall no longer be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind meal. Remove your veil, strip off the skirt, uncover the leg, cross the rivers. Your nakedness will be uncovered. Your shame will also be exposed. I will take vengeance and will not spare a man or redeemer. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Holy One of Israel, sit silently and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you will no more be called the Queen of the Kingdoms, the Queen of Kingdoms. Remember when we were talking about the Queen of Heavens, um, how the women would um, bake pastries and... I was reading these comments. D, do y'all um, find plantain... And this may sound gross. Find plantain, chew it up, put it on the wasp thing. It'll work. It'll take the swelling out. Um, plantain, it's it's all over. Um, we have a, a member that listens. Um, her name is also Dee. And she is in Wales. She has, that's what she uses um, for hers when she's been, um, she got stung, I think it was last week twice in the same day and that's what she did so um find some plantain that's a wild plant that's they most people call it a weed that's a very good plant though And Ryan's saying both varieties are good for bug bites. Um, Mary, I think we've got some that should, um, I'm not sure. Ryan, is uh, Angie going to bring some of that? 
Oh, no, she's not going to be selling it there. But I think Angie's got some on her website, Mary. I'll send you the link. So you can get some of that. Yeah, it's plantain. Do a search for plantain weed. It kind of looks like, if you know what a hosta is, it looks kind of like a hosta. It's got the same type of leaves. They're broad, um, smooth. When you pull the leaf, like if you split the leaf, it's kind of elastic-like. It's got some very elastic-like um, threads in there. Okay, so um, if you... It looks like a hosta. So if you see a wild one growing out like that um, anywhere around you, use some of that. It's around in Ireland. It's usually where um, in moist places, they like shade in moist places. So if that can help direct you some. So with, um, you know, even in Isaiah, you're welcome, D. Yeah, we've had a lot of rain too. Well, y'all get a lot of rain anyway, don't you? I don't, D, are you in the Bards FM family room? On Telegram? If you're not, you can email me, um, Nikki Knight at protonmail.com, N-I-K-K-I-K-N-I-G-H-T at protonmail.com, and I can um, get you access in there. I can send you um, what it looks like. All right, let me look, John. Me and Angie did a show, too, on knickknacks. It's... Um, it's been a little bit ago, but it's Medicinal Monday, I think is what the name of it was. That's it, John. Thank you, Tim. And um, song scripture, my thoughts put it, it's howardshandmade.com. Howard, H-O-W-A-R-D-S, handmade, H-A-N-D-M-A-D-E dot com. And she's got the plantain salve on there. Um, works great for any kind of insect stings or bites. Thanks, John. So God, you know, even he, he was telling Isaiah and telling... Um, he kept telling prophets and kept trying to deliver the message. Hey, stop, stop doing this. And yet the people were still continuing and that's how it is now. You know, we've got so many people trying to Okay. That's fine, D. Yeah, just send me an email, and um, I can 
get you the information and pics that way. There are several that, that aren't on Telegram that that's what we do. Like, because we do prayers on um, now Sunday. So I take prayer requests and those can be emailed to me as well. Um, I do them, you know, I'll take them all week. And then usually Saturday night, I send them over to Scott. And Scott does them on Sunday mornings now at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. God has been giving many, many times trying to tell the people to change. You know, he's made covenants and they've been broken and he's made a new one and they've been broken. And, and that's kind of what's going on now. And so I am bouncing now to Romans. And I'm actually going to read out of the Founder's Bible for a second. This comes from, um, right, it's, if you've got a Founder's Bible, it's just around the Romans 2.20 section. It's a costly and needless hard harvest. It is one of those immutable laws of God sewn into the very fabric of reality as unavoid unavoidable as is the law of gravity. That is the law of the harvest. As Galatians 6, 7 affirms, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. It is true both positively as well as negatively if you sow good seeds, you will reap good fruit. But if you sow bad seeds, you will reap bad fruit. Jesus also explained in Luke 6, 44, men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from briar bush, from a briar bush. Truly, whatever a man sows, this he will also reap, whether for good or bad. More often than not, this scripture is shared in the context of a warning or an admonishment meant to discourage a certain negative behavior. What, it is, what is the warning? Simply that there are consequences to our behavior. And that's what we're going to learn also with Ezekiel 18. But that in and of itself is not negative, it's needful. For without it, how could any of us learn or grow? If there were not consequences to our actions, how could we discern if what we were doing was good, fruitful, and productive? Or equally illuminating, how could we know that it was harmful, dangerous, or destructive? Both are invaluable if we are to learn what is wisdom. Biblically speaking, skill at li living life. It's encouraging to know that what we do matters and that the good seed we sow will in due season reap a bountiful harvest. Paul shares this as an encouragement that we might not grow weary in doing good in Galatians 6, 9. Nevertheless, the converse is also true. If I am foolish enough to sow bad seed, the unfortunate reality is that I will reap the consequence of doing so. God is not arbitrarily up in heaven meeting our judgment to some while exempting and playing favorites with others. Rather, the laws of the harvest are as real as the law of gravity and function, much the same. 
My sinful actions will bring forth their own horrible harvest in the course of time. The sobering reality is that even when I am genuinely repentant and sorry for what I have done, when I am genuinely, oh, I'm sorry, whether in ignorance or in willful rebellion, that does not exempt me or others whom my actions affect from the very real consequences. I may protest, but I didn't mean to. Nevertheless, the particulars of my intentions do not roll back the hands of time and extract the seeds of what I have sown into the soil. Casually, it is equipped. Forgiveness is easier to get than permission. And it is equipped. Forgiveness is easier. Oh, sorry. I just read the same thing ever again. I guess we needed to read that again. Forgiveness is easier to get than permission. Now, that's where a lot of people, myself included, I used to think about that. And, well, it's easier just to do it and apologize than to ask before I do it. I think many of us are are guilty of that. I think many of us do, you know, sometimes not think about the consequences and just do them like, well, we can say we're sorry. But like with words, once those words are out there, you can't take them back, whether it's intentional or not. You know, once you say something, you can apologize and you can repent, but especially if it's a hurtful word, you know, you can't take that back. And you never know when, you know, when there's angels near. God's always listening. Always. But... You know, we talked about, you know, with words, casting spells and stuff like that, you know, you put them out there and then it's done. And it can't be so casually just cast out there and and not have any repercussions because there are. You can apologize, but, you know, I remember as a teen telling somebody I hated them, you know. <laughs> I don't know many that probably haven't done that, but we... We say that, and, you know, as teens, it's it's all rushed, and right then, and, you know, it's like the, the world is ending the next day, so you've got to do everything all at once, and you say things just out of anger or uncontrolled emotion or whatever to lash out, and that's that's the devil. You know, that's the devil getting into your heart and making you speak mean. But when you're, you know, when you're saying that to somebody, the person that's on the receiving end of that, that's that's getting that, it hurts. It'll cut deep. And you can't take it back. You can tell them you're sorry, but you can't take it back. You know, so you've got to be very cautious. And that's what we're, you know, been going over with Ezekiel in the previous chapters is how, you know, there's a lot of self-awareness. And instead of the faults of the fathers and the sons following one another, it's accountability for one's own actions, not everyone else's.
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Contrary to what many presume, God is not watching me with a pair of lightning bolts in his hands, crouching at my door, looking to pounce and zap me with immediate judgment. Rather, sin is the one crouching, desiring to take control. I am the one who must learn to master it. Genesis 4-7. Sin is often its own punishment, for it destroys, separates, and enslaves. Remember how I talk about it creating us like Swiss cheese? Kind of puts holes in us. Whether its effects are seen with any immediacy or the seeds take time to sprout, its poison brings a curse and its wages are death. It may be true that sin is pleasurable for a season, as Hebrews 11.25 says, but it deceives for it cannot deliver on what it promises. The season of pleasure is short and passes, and then the hidden cost is revealed as are the often long-lasting and devastating effects. Now I'm going to go back into Ezekiel 17. And I'll have all these in the show notes, by the way, when I post it. All right, Ezekiel 17, 11, Zedekiah's rebellion. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, say now to the rebellious house, do you not know what these things mean? Say, Behold, the king, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem, took its king and princes and brought them to him in Babylon. And he took one of the royal family and made a covenant with him, putting him under oath. He also took away the mighty of the land that the kingdom, kingdom might be in subjection, subjection, not exalting itself, but keeping his covenant that it might continue But he rebelled against him by sending his envoys to Egypt that they might give him horses and many troops. Will he succeed? Will he who does such things escape? Can he indeed break the covenant and escape? As I live, declares the Lord God, surely in the country of the king who put him on the throne, whose oath he despised, and whose covenant he broke, in Babylon he shall die. And Pharaoh, with his mighty army and great company, will not help him in war. When they cast up mounds and build siege walls to cut off many lives, now he despised the oath by breaking the covenant, and behold, he pledged his allegiance, yet did all these things. He shall not escape. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, As I live, surely my oath, which he despised, and my covenant, which he broke, I will inflict on his head, and I will spread my net over him, and he will be caught in my snare. Then I will bring him to Babylon and enter into judgment with him there regarding the unfaithful act which he has committed against me. And all the choice men and all his troops. Sorry. And all the king's men. 
I'm sorry, I'm trying to find it again. I thought I had my phone on Do Not Disturb, and it was not. And all the choice men and all his troops will fall by the sword and the survivors will be scattered to every wind. And you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Thus says the Lord God, I shall also take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and set it out. I shall pluck from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I shall plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the high mountain of Israel I shall plant it, that it may bring forth bows and bear fruit, and become a stately cedar. And birds of every kind will nest under it. They will nest in the shade of its branches. And all of the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I bring down the high tree, exalt the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will perform it. Ezekiel 18. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, What do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore. Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine, the soul who sins will die. One of the features of the religious thought of the book of Ezekiel which stands out is individual responsibility for one's own actions. We've read that in Ezekiel 3, 16 to 21, 14, 12 to 20. Um, we're going to be covering it now with 18 in 1 through 32, and then in 33, verses 1 through 20. But in this passage of Ezekiel 18, 1 to 4, the Lord was disapproving of an old proverb in Israel and replacing it with one of his own. The soul who sins will die. To a far greater extent than in the religion of the New Testament, Israel had a group, of, had a group relationship with God. The Babylonian exile in which Ezekiel himself was participating was God's judgment on a sinful nation, and many righteous people had to suffer alongside the sinners, kind of like now. You know, there's still righteous people here now who are suffering alongside those that are sinning, you know, but God's going, God's going to handle that. God will sort that. Nevertheless, God now wanted it emphasized that individual guilt and righteousness should not be swallowed up in the group, even when the group was a family. Depending on the stress laid, the law could be read either way. In the Ten Commandments, God stated he would visit the inequity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations. Uh, that's Exodus 25 and Deuteronomy also 5.9. 
Exodus 25, I'll read that. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. And then in Deuteronomy 5, 9. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. In Deuteronomy twenty four sixteen. And there was only so many pages I could like mark before I lost like where I was even going with some of them, so I didn't. Didn't get to mark them all. It took me a second to get to it. Deuteronomy 24, 16. Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. Fathers and children are not to be held responsible for each other's guilt. Therefore, by rejecting the old proverb, God was setting in Ezekiel 18, and in Jeremiah 31, 29, 30, any questions anyone might have? Jeremiah 31, yes. Verse 29 of Jeremiah 31, uh, chapter 31. In those days, they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone will die for his own inequity. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. Ezekiel 18, 5, picking back up where we left off. But if a man is righteous and practice, practices justice and righteousness and does not eat at the mountain shrines or lift up his eyes to the idols of the houses of Israel or defile his neighbor's wife or approach a woman during her menstrual period, if a man does not oppress anyone but restores to the debtor his pledge, does not commit robbery but gives his bread to the hungry, and covers the naked with clothing. If he does not lend money on interest or take increase, if he keeps his hand from inequity and executes true justice between man and man, if he walks in my statutes and my ordinances so as to deal faithfully, he is righteous and will surely live, declares the Lord God. Then he may have a violent son who sheds blood and who does any of these things to a brother, though he himself did not do any of these things, that is, he even eats at the mountain shrines and defiles his neighbor's wife, oppresses the poor and needy, commits robbery, 
does not restore a pledge, but lifts up his eyes to the idols and commits abomination. He lends money on interest and takes increase. He will live. Oh, sorry. Will he live? He will not live. He has committed all these abominations. He will surely be put to death. His blood will be on his own head. Sorry, I was reading the chat there. Hey, Matt and Half. I gotta quit looking at the chat. <laughs> I lose my place sometimes. I'm sorry about that, guys. Now behold, he has a son who has observed all his father's sins, which he committed, and observing does not do likewise. He does not eat at the mountain shrines or lift up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel or defile his neighbor's wife or oppress anyone or retain a pledge or commit robbery. But he gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with clothing. He keeps his hand from the poor, does not take increase or interest, but executes my ordinances and walks in my statutes. He will not die for his father's inequity. He will surely live. That's right. Everybody, you know, it, the old, there where God was, you know, making child pay for what the parents did. Now it's not. It's God saying, hey, we're not doing that no more. Whatever you do, that's on you. Yet you say, why should the son not bear the punishment for the father's inequity? When the son has practiced just, justice and righteousness and had, has observed all my statutes and done them, he shall surely live. The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's inequity, nor will the father bear the punishment for the son's inequity. The righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. But if the wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed and observes all my statutes and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions, which he has committed, will not be remembered against him because of his righteousness, which he has practiced. He will live. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God? rather that he should turn from his ways and live. But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits inequity and does according to all the abominations that a wicked man does, will he live? All his righteous deeds, which he has done, will not be remembered for his treachery, which he has committed and his sin, which he has committed for them, he will die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not right. Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way not right? Is it not your ways that are not right? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits inequity and dies because of it, 
for his inequity which he has committed, he will die. Again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness, which he has committed and practices justice and righteousness, he will save his life. Because he considered and turned away from all his transgressions, which he had committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. But the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not right. Are my ways not right, O house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are not right? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, each according to his conduct, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn away from your transgressions so that inequity may not become a stumbling block to you. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, re repent and live. And that wraps up Ezekiel 18. Um, we'll pick up on 19 on Thursday. I was going to go into a little bit of the background some more on Ezekiel, but it looks like we're not going to have time for that. So I may also include that as well on that day. I'm going to... Um, yeah, you can call in on Thursday, Mary, to explain that on the Cedars. That would be awesome. I would love that. Okay, I'm going to um, play a song real quick. I'm going to take some prayer requests. Um, before we close out. Sign to these dry bones. Live again, live again. Those who are sleeping, those in the grave, live again, live again. 
Um, I was just reading through the prayer request here. Um, I'm not sure right what you're saying. A tag can even go on social media anymore. Um, or because what is popping up on my feeds, I used to. Um, I'm worried for you on that though, Ryan, on the, um, feel like you're under some kind of demonic attack or something. I uh, talk to text isn't working. Yeah, you be careful driving. I see D's for his mom. Gene, Father Raymond and wife. Okay. And Matt and Hev's. Prayers for his mama. Alright, we got any other prayer requests? That's perfect for your drive home, isn't it, Dee? This is exactly the right amount of time. Oh, yeah. See your son's scripture, my thoughts. For your, oh, your great-grandson, Ezekiel. See yours for the kiddos that miss him. 
All right, we're going to go into praying. If y'all have anything else that pops up, put it in there, and um, I'll get it, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you for for this space that we're able to use the internet and the airwaves here to to for good, for worshiping you, for for learning through um, the book of the prophets and just going through the Bible all together, Father, for for being able to come together from all over the world in this space uh, to have fellowship together. And it's just such an amazing thing, Father, that, that we're able to take what was meant for bad and has caused so many problems for so many people and, and turn it to good for your good, just like you always do, Father. It's so amazing how you always will take what evil intends for bad to, to make it good. And we just, we thank you for that as well, Father. Um, for all of our, our patriot warriors out there, the followers of Christ that, that are going out there every day, discipling to others and, and trying to be good brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, I just lift them all up to you for the people in Hawaii for Lahaina, for the missing children, for all of the deaths. I, I pray for them, Father. I, we pray for for the evil that's being go, that's going on there to be revealed, for um, those that may be affected by the eruption of the volcano Kilauea um, in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Father, I just pray for those people to be protected by your hands that you can turn all of this destruction. We see it, Father. We see the destruction. We've seen what's happened before, and it's it's because the sins that the people have brought down upon themselves. But, Father, we pray for healing on the land. We pray for cleansing, for people to, to wake up and be able to discern and have that wisdom to know not to follow the dark, but to go into the light, to seek the light. You know, they, they used to talk about it as a joke, don't go into the light, don't go into the light. But Father, we should always seek the light. We should always seek your face and your light because with with you, everything's possible. Without you, nothing is possible. Father, for Matt and Hev's mama, who's turning 90 and has pneumonia, we we lift her up to you for, for healing. For Dee's mom, Jean, and his father, Raymond, and his wife, Anne, we lift prayers up for them as well, Father. Um, also, bee stings, they're horrible. They hurt, and I just pray that D can find the, the plantain and get those that on there and that it takes out that inflammation. Um, for Mary all in, Father, that she's been feeling good for the last five days, it's such a, that's such an amazing thing. When, when we go through pain and, and hurting or having these bad days, it it's weighty on us, Father. You know that. You know, you know our hearts, and and when we get those wonderful days, Father, it's just such a blessing. So thank you, Father, for for Mary's good days, for my good days, and for all of us that have been having those good days. For Ryan, who feels like he's under a demonic attack, Father, we just pray that you're a hedge of protection around him, that we rebuke any kind of evil intent that's that may be influencing him, that may be surrounding his family. We send that back to hell where it came from. We give it no power here. We declare the power of Jesus that it's gone and, and believe with the faith like a mustard seed, Father, that 
that faith that can move mountains, that it's done. When we put it out there to you, that it is done and it is in your hands. And so, Father, we put that to you right now. It's in your hands. Father, we also lift up uh, some scripture. My thoughts, great grandson Ezekiel, who had a lump on the back of his head. Father, um, we just pray that it's completely gone, that it doesn't return, and that his body is restored, restored to your glory, your perfection, the way that you created him when you formed him, Father. For the kids, um, for MSM Liars children and all the children everywhere, Father, I just pray for them. I pray for, for their minds to not be attacked by the constant barrage of false claims, the stuff that they can change their sex. They can determine it. That's false, Father. And and we know that's evil. And so we pray for for clarity on that. We pray for for the stuff that they're putting in the air and, and doing, trying to cause harm, that they're protected from that, that their minds can evolve through you, that their minds are are open just to absorb every single ounce of knowledge you're giving them, every bit of wisdom. Father, these these innocent children are are perfect. Father, they're they're spotless, just like Jesus, the perfect spotless land that became sin for us was. So, Father, we ask for your protection over these children, for your your embrace around them, for the ones that are missing. Father, bring them to the light. Stop the trafficking. Stop the, the the laboring that these children are having to do in sweatshops and and using their bodies, Father. That these people are just selling them into sex slavery is just awful. So, Father, we we pray that all of that is brought out of darkness and into the light, Father. And I pray that that we are also salty Christians because salt sweetens salt salt though it can sting can bring revelation and clarity father so we pray for our christians to be salty but then also to be in light and in love in jesus father thank you for the blessing of this family that you've brought together that you formed by your hands that that we chose but it was because of you it was because you brought us all together you knew that we were going to be the remnant, that we were going to be the ones that were going to help bring others out of out of darkness, others out of being asleep and, and being in the state of just being spoon-fed everything. Father, we know that you're going to be able to, to bring them out of that. And so we, we pray for that as well, Father. We pray that that you use us to bring the light to those that are asleep here today, that maybe my message touches one person and that I reduce so you can increase in me, Father, and an increase in others. Help us to find people that that are lost. Help us to bring them closer to Jesus, to know the love of Jesus, to know what it is to not be walking in the dark, to not be walking alone or afraid, but to have the faith that if we pray, and we believe and we seek him. And like Matthew 21, 22 says, if we ask in prayer and believe, it is done. Those was Jesus. Jesus told us that, Father. Thank you for giving the giving us this wisdom, this knowledge, the Bible, the fact that we're able to open it up. And I pray, Father, that nobody just leave their Bible laying around, but they actually open it. They they learn and absorb and take in all of the information that 
so many before us didn't have fathers. So many were persecuted just to get there. So many that lost their lives because they just wanted to read that scripture. They just wanted to, to know you. And Father, we have that ability. So I pray that no one takes that for granted. Father, no one. Thank you for, for giving me this voice and for using me, Father, today and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, that was uh, a wonderful, wonderful um, session today, covering over, you know, a whole bunch of different things. I thank you all for tuning in, and I appreciate it. I'll be back live on Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And so I pray that you'll join me. If not, then no, it'll be posted. And has a wonderful, blessed day. And I will close it out with this song. When the music ends, I'm just going to go ahead and stop it. Y'all have a wonderful, blessed day. Thank you. In a world where we're losing hope Life has us on the ropes Misunderstandings, hate running rampant Every man out for his own Seems like we Lost our way Thought that we had it Caught in the madness Oh, ain't it tragic But you said If we turn from our You seek your face, you give us grace. So come have your way, Lord. Here we are, abandoned hearts on bed.
Thank you so much.